Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. The boys in white and blue, and we are back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. It's exciting time, Zach. MLS is back. What more could we want? Start the season. The way you mean to go on, although in the Whitecaps case, hopefully not, because it was a very heavy defeat today for the Whitecaps, but how excited are you that MLS is back? I mean, excited because we get to talk about some football, I'm excited about that. But yeah, we're going to be talking about Whitecaps Columbus, we're going to be looking over some of the other Whitecaps news of the week, we're going to be Taking a little bit a look around MLS, we're recording the bulk of this show on Saturday night. I'll record a little bit to finish off my MLS roundup on Sunday. And then we're going to bring you something that we had to cut out of last week's show. Because episode 500, Zach, it ran to three hours. I was a little disappointed you didn't get to five. I yeah, was... well, I did cut out 49 minutes of stuff. And 24 of those minutes that I cut out are going to be featuring in the show tonight as we, we have a look, as we cast our eyes over the the weird, the wacky, the good, the bad and the ugly of the MLS kits for the 2022 season. So all that is to come. We're not going to kick things off with TVOD this week. We're just going to get straight into the football chat because there's a, a lot to talk about. Some good, some not so good. And let's start with the latter. The Whitecaps season opener. Yes, the, the Whitecaps headed to Columbus. A rare away start to the season. We, we talked uh, about why, although that might have also been one of the bits that I cut out of the show. But basically, they couldn't play at home because the Rugby Sevens were scheduled for this weekend. But COVID has pushed that back to April, so they, they were on the road. We didn't really know what to expect from the Whitecaps. We didn't really know what to expect from Columbus, because it had been a bit of a, a mixed pre-season for them. The Whitecaps had been unbeaten during the pre-season, but we did point out that apart from the LA Galaxy, they hadn't really been facing MLS competition. So off to Columbus they went. 4-0 defeat. We'll get into the meat and potatoes of the game, Zach, but just what's your overall thoughts on, on the match and coming out of, of this one? Hopefully this isn't the... 
starting the, the way that they mean to go on because we're currently bottom of the West. It was a it was a disappointing start, and I think a lot of people. The sense I got from listening to the people and a little bit of the social media stuff is that people were really excited and had high hopes for the start of the season. So I think obviously the result, um, you know, not scoring, not getting a shot on target, very very disappointing. However, I'm not really surprised. <laughs> um, it, it, I mean, we'll, we'll get into more details, but yeah, I think. The fact that they have done so little uh, to their team and lost some key pieces and are now starting the season without some key pieces in place, um, this is not surprising that this is the the start. And it is only one out of 34 games, so obviously lots of time to, uh, you know, to accumulate the points they need to make the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But, um, uh, yeah, disappointing, a, dis- a, a disappointing but unsurprising start. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very early days and uh, there's no point being doom and gloom and getting carried away like even if it was a win today there would be no point getting too carried away as my wife says to me all the time in the bedroom it's a marathon not a sprint so we've got a long way to go and there's lots of time to turn it around but there are some worrying signs coming out of today's game and as you touched upon there and we talked to Vanny about it last week and it, it was it wasn't a vague answer but it wasn't a thorough answer it's like do you feel the team is stronger now than when they finished the season he said they're, they're stronger in terms of understanding the system yeah that didn't show no that if that was them stronger yikes but of course it was the new system we were talking about this before we recorded so th- this new Three one four two. We thought it was going to be the secondary system when mm. when we spoke to Vanny in December. He talked about one of the things he wanted to work on pre-season was a secondary system, and we covered last week that yes, it's very 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 similar systems, but this one allows them to get more men going forward offensively, and we we did caution that with that you then need these wing backs to get back hell for quick. And we we saw how that doesn't sometimes work out to, today, but it would appear that the secondary system might actually be the, the primary system now. Yeah, was, I mean, this was the question I had going in, is why, I mean, I know one thing you told me was that, you know, this was the system they used, you know, virtually all through, through preseason, which, you know, shouldn't be a surprise that they started with it, but again, it was supposed to it was supposedly supposed to be kind of the the, the secondary option, um, and I really it doesn't seem like it works. Or sorry, it it didn't work today at all. And there's it's not just that it didn't work in this game. I think there's some really big questions and really big concerns that you see come out of it that um, make it um, concerning if they want to either use this if this is going to be Plan A. Or even if it is supposed to be Plan B, it's it's quite concerning. I I'd still like a Plan C where we have a four at the back system because I think some of the players that we have are better suited to to four at the back. I I think what Vanny had seen pre-season he liked with this formation. The the thing is, it worked fairly well in the preseason games but you were not going up against this quality of opposition and some really pacey attackers and some danger up the wings and like Lucas Zerilian Zelarian even 
he was outstanding today. 9.7 he got on who scored. I don't remember seeing a player getting that. And I know he got an assist and he got a goal. But he ran the show today. And when you've got a player like that and a system that you're still finding your feet, it does show the weaknesses in it. So I think that it's not a case of going back to the drawing board, but I think they might need to look at what personnel they have in this system. And that brings us to the starting lineup. Yeah. Like, so so last week on the show, I, I think I called 2-1 Columbus, I think is what mm. I said. You, so, listeners can correct me. But I'm pretty sure, oh, I said Columbus was going to win. I'm pretty sure I said 2-1. Um, when I saw the lineups, I said to my son, I said, this is going to be 3, 4, 5, or 6 nil. Like, it did not look good. I, I thought when I saw the lineups, 2-0. I just did not see how we had goals. Also, the really worrying aspect for me, because we talked about the fact that we don't think the depth is maybe as as, as good. You looked at that bench today, and you're, you're thinking, if we need to chase this game, which we did from pretty early on, there's no one on that bench that you'd be like, oh, there's, there's the game changer, there's the guy you're going to bring on. You've got a homegrown guy that just signed a deal and a short-term deal as your one of your main striking options to bring on. And fair play, play to Emiliano Brienza, and we'll come to him later. He at least put in a shift in the, yep. the short time he was on and had a shot, which was more than than they had for most of the rest of the game. But that starting lineup, we'd gone so much back and forth as to who we thought was was going to be the, the, the three at the back. And to me, I said last week, Eric Godoy, first name that you've got yeah. on the team sheet. but has to be. has to be. Yeah. It, it might be, or it would appear to be, that they're still a little concerned about his injuries and they're maybe just wanting to use him a little bit sparingly. But why did he play in that game last week then? They, yeah, they and was one of the best people. players as well last week. Yeah, the, the, I mean, last yeah. week, him... Leo Uwusu and Russell Tybert mm-hmm. were the three standout guys. And yeah. you've got two of them on the bench. And two of them didn't start. Yeah, yeah. I, it, it was it was shocking. I mean, other than obviously White not being available from due to injury or taking a knock or whatever. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Um, that, that was hugely unfortunate for them because you think that also probably takes some wind out of their sails in terms of confidence. Um, but yeah, you're right. Godoy, Uwusu... Um, Maybe even Vite, although that's not shocking. Um, all being on the bench, plus plus Youngworth. Like uh, again, for me, Youngworth, I could go either way on him starting right now. Mm-hmm. But um, he's I not was... the quickest. Oh, sorry. And I no, sir. The other one is but... Gutierrez. Yes. Yeah. That, so was, that is because like... they want Dahomey there. But you can always have put Dahomey on the right yeah. wing. Exactly. Like I. I I, I I don't understand what what the thinking was on resting so many of the players who have been the best players in your preseason and are depth chart wise or you know potential or whatever are your best players on the on the on the bench like I it, it was it was crazy to me and I you know we I don't I know he sees um, Jake and uh, Tristan as um, those he likes he thinks they're suited to that side center back role. But to me, um, they're not better than Eric Godoy in that spot and any day. And I would argue that again, Youngworth can play that role just as just as good. 
And so I think last week, I think I said Ranko, Godoy, and Youngberg would be the ideal. And yeah, I, I it hurt them really bad. And then Dahomey, you're right. If you really want him to play wing back, then put him on the right side with Gutierrez on, on the left. Um, and maybe in, in a moment or two, we'll talk about some of the issues with Dahomey. But um, it, it, it was just shocking. And then on top of that, um, yeah, Baldi and Ferruso. And like, obviously, we're big fans of, we really have, you know, we, we strongly appreciate Baldissimo, right? Having watched him, you know, grow up at the club and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, Owusu seems like the player that either needs to be in that spot or then needed to be in Tybert's spot. Now, I don't know if they said this on the broadcast because I, I had it down for part of it because I was watching the LAFC game and then I was watching Josh Taylor in the boxing. So I kind of had lots of things going on at the same time. But someone messaged me to say Owusu wasn't fully fit. But I don't know if that was just them speculating or if it had been said in the broadcast. Uh, I, I hadn't heard that. He looked fully fit to me last Saturday. Yeah, I don't I don't remember if they said that. He did that get a not. knock, though, last Saturday. So I don't oh, know right, if, right, right. if that had anything to do with it. I mean, yeah. Losing I'll, Brian I'll, White midweek was yeah. a, a big one. But but, it, but even with Brian White, it doesn't solve the problems no, at the back or the midfield. You have to get the ball to Brian White. And uh, that, that was a... That was a big concern. Before kickoff, Will Silver from the last show, he texted me. He's like, uh, so none of us got this starting lineup right. Yeah, he sent, sent that to me as well. It's like, yeah, good good luck for the folk that were doing the, the starting lineup prediction on 86 forever. I'd like to see if anyone got that correct. Oh, right, I mean... Like, but, but, but before we go, the, the formation is a, is a problem, is I think, as a primary. If we talk about this for a moment, and then we can give examples as we go through the game, but... I really think Ryan Gold is is suited to the previous formation better, the the three four one two, because when he's in that, he has I think more freedom, and not that he didn't ha- doesn't didn't have freedom today, or, or doesn't have some freedom within the system, but I think that it, the 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 three four one two gives him more freedom to both roam and not you know be in the space of of other players in the midfield. Right, kind of that pocket in between the midfield and 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 the and the strikers, and I, I, yeah. So I don't think I don't think this gets the best out of Ryan Gold, who is your best footballer, who you need to maximize his his potential to maximize your other your other players. Yeah. And so I think that that and then again, the, there's something that they haven't figured out. And I think last year they did actually partially figure out, but how the wing backs. And with the side center backs and maybe the central midfielder or two are going to cover for each other so they don't get exposed so easily. Because uh, that is a real issue uh, that we'll talk about as I think we go through the game. Yeah. I don't know if we might move back to that 3 4 one, two, once we've got Kyle good to go and Vite good to go and they might be starting the game. So that then they might think that's our chance to to put Ryan just in that solitary role. But I agree, I think that's where we, we've seen the best of him. And he's been getting so much attention as well at the end of last season, today as well. He still got the best score by a mile on who scored thing of 6.9. And let, let's get in, let's get into the, into the game. Because eight minutes in, 1-0 down... I don't know if you want to call it a Ranko own goal or if you're going to give it to Miguel Berry. At first, I was thinking Ranko own goal, but watching it back, Ranko knew nothing about that. The ball just flew towards him and hit off him. There's nothing he could have done yeah, my, my, about my first, it. 
my first thought was that it was uh you know it was a good like it was a strike towards net so you don't give the rank a bit I didn't see the angle that you talked about from uh yeah when you see it it. behind Barry like facing the goal that was going wide it was going wide left and then hit Jake and then hit Ranko and then in so my, my my understanding is MLS doesn't doesn't like to go with the where the real law is for own goals is if the shot initial shot is not going on net and then it ends up in the net then it can't be a goal for the person who was not shooting it at the net and I know Steve doesn't like that because he, he talks about how it's better to have a, a goal scorer than an own goal but by the way own goals are supposed to be called that that should have been an own goal then but in MLS they've proven that they don't like to do that either so yeah that's why give it to got got the credit for it but there's a lot to talk about with this goal and not just the the unluckiness with the deflection yeah i mean barry does extremely well to to turn it was jake right he turns jake inside out um or not inside out but he, he he turns with the ball like he the way he turns with the ball and creates space for even just any kind of a shot was he did well again his shot didn't look so great but um the turn was real, real quality, and we either it's like one a half a dozen, six a half, half a dozen, one six of six of another. Um, you know, was it Barry's great turn or was it a poor defensive read or play by Jake? You know, it's kind of a little bit of both. Yeah, you know? I mean, sometimes I feel we're always blaming the the White Cats player for stuff like that. Sometimes you do have to give credit to the opposition and. I kind of give credit more to Berry for this because I think he just made so much of that ball. I, I mean, it, it was perfectly found. Zillarayan played it into him and then he just collected it and then turned. It was such a good turn. In many ways, it was good that Jake actually got the block in, but then by getting that block in is actually what led to the, the ball going in the back of the net. Now, there was some debate online as well. And... I I've I can see both sides of this, but the vast majority of folk don't put too much blame on Thomas Hassel for this. So Thomas was scrambling to, to get to the ball. He was wrong-footed initially because of where the initial strike was going. And then he was trying to get back, trying to get back, and just failed to get back. Now, first glance, I thought, oh, he should have done better there. But you see it, and it's like, no, he was completely wrong-footed. But double, the only thing I like will double, say... Double deflection. Oh, yeah. Like how, how can you... The, the only thing I will say is, a couple of times before this went in, and we saw it after as well, I, I don't know if Thomas has always done this and I've just never noticed, but it was very noticeable today. He he throws himself at balls that have been flying over the bar. Like acrobatic dives towards the ball and the ball's flying over the bar or whatever. So I don't know if he had done that again as it was going in one direction and then he just couldn't get up to, to get back. But that's a trait he needs to, to get out of. But I don't think you can put too much blame on Thomas for that one. I, I would agree with you, yeah. I don't think... Uh, I think it's just it's very, very unfortunate. And if he had been able to get to it, I think it would have been like an incredible save. At this stage and up to the second goal, the white caps were just struggling to get into the game, struggling to get out of their own half, just get any kind of foothold or anything going at all. So it wasn't really much of a surprise when they went two down, 25 minutes in. Absolutely fantastic pinpoint cross from Yeboah onto a wide open Derek Etienne. Took a nice touch, 
put it past Asal. Again, not a lot Hassal could do. But let, let's break down this goal. And the defence broke down. But, but we'll start before the ball even gets to, to Etienne with the the ball that is played from the left back up to Yeboah. Yeah, so the, the right back for for Columbus gets the... Oh, yeah, right back. The right back for Columbus has the ball, and he recognizes pretty simply and pretty quickly that Dahomey has chose to press him. And so as the wing back in this formation, or the wide player, the, or the winger, the wide midfielder, whatever, um, in, in doing that, he created a ton of, of space behind him. And so when the fullback realizes that, he just plays it past him into that space into um, Columbus's wide right midfielder. They're playing a 4-2-3-1. So the, the wide right player in the three, which is Yaboa. And Yaboa now, he doesn't have like crazy acres of space, but he has a little bit of space and more than enough time to put in an unchallenged cross. So you're right, Michael, it was a really nice cross, but he there was no one pressuring him. So the so Jake... I mean, either Jake or Baldy, or I think it was Russell on that or on that side, and they one of them needs to either know that Dajo's pressing and they need to cover, or or this is going to keep happening again. I mean, we talked about how before this, when in the off season, I think it was when uh, Vanny said seventy five percent wing back for Dahomey, I was just like, well, if I'm on, I'm on the opposition team, I'm going to be t- keying on that and. I think Caleb Porter had his team uh, mindful of of the opportunities that they would have by him going forward and the space that he would leave behind. And this was a really good example of it. And then I'll let you talk about what happened on the other side. Well, I I was going to say, like, going back to the homie, like, if you get past the homie, who else is there? It's a right back that's been turned into a left centre back. Yeah. So, again, that is going to be the side that they're going to think it is weak. But, yeah, the, the ball that was then sent over, as we say, pinpoint cross, and Etienne did everything right when he got the ball. Acres of room. And when you first see it, it's hard not to miss Javain Brown sauntering back, Matthias Laba style, even possibly even slower than Matthias Laba as he's tried to saunter back sometimes. And you're like, what are you doing, Javain? Show some urgency, you've lost your man there. And then you watch the replay and you're like, because I was like, but where was Blackman? And it's like Blackman's been pulled into the centre because Ranko's moved up to towards the left as well and kind of gone towards the ball. And Blackman's probably thought, oh, I've got tons of space behind me, but that's okay because Javain's going to have got back there. But Javain yeah. wasn't there. So there's, there's blame on Ranko, I think, because Blackman had to cover him because there was a man there. And then Javain, and it wasn't the only time he did it. Like, even after that, he didn't learn. And they were just lucky that they didn't get burned again. Yeah, but I know if he's going to be playing that role, he has to get back. Lots of people I know uh, were not happy with his play today or felt he was the worst player uh, for the Whitecaps Brown. But, yeah, I think it's it's not just the player. I think, yeah, he had an off day, sure. But it's also this system. And if player either they don't know well enough as well as uh, they would like, or Vanny would like them to. Because he was or, away initially with Jamaica. Yeah, of his own accord. Mm-hmm. But um, he, uh, I mean, Vanny talked about how, you know, they, you know, they know the system better. And so he's happy about that. But like, if they do know it better, they weren't communicating well enough. Because again, when when you're playing a 4-2-3-1, uh, 
I mean, those three center backs, who's who's marking? And I know if Steve was here, he'd say they're not marking anyone. They're just marking the ball in space. <laughs> but but um, you have to like you have to not necessarily man up, but you have to know who's going where and stuff. Like so, they have three central center backs, and yes, you're worrying about um, Barry and you're worrying about Zellerian in the middle. Uh, but then are the, the side center backs then worrying about those wing players or are the, the wing backs supposed to work with those wing players and, you know, and, and yeah, or is Baldy picking up Zellerian? Like mm. how it didn't look like they had that figured out very well, especially on that goal today. Communication today. did look poor today and on that goal in particular. And, and another part of that is you're also, I know it's not, he's not new to the team, but you know, you're dealing with a, a younger, less experienced keeper who also, when you're, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, a more experienced keeper maybe sees that, hey, these guys aren't talking and I got to step it up. I got to communicate for them or help them communicate better because, yeah, it, it was, it, there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of gaps. And you're, uh, I think they even talked about it on the broadcast. There's a lot of gaps. They're talking about a halftime. There's a lot of gaps between the first half, in particular, between Blackman and Brown, and th that can be solved with communication. Vanny's talked about he's got a squad of 22, basically. So there's going to be a lot of rotation this year. And we're going to see this back three rotated, I think, fairly regularly. We've already well, got gonna... rotation coming up next week. That's right, guaranteed <laughs> yeah. rotation. So it's then hard to get that communication and get that understanding if you're chopping and changing who's playing with who, unless you're keeping units by units but then you're making mass changes at once, which isn't ideal either. Godoy and Ranko play well together. I'd like to see them play together. I think Blackman and Jungwert would be a, a good combo together as well. I think that that would be good. Javane Brown, I really like him as a player in a flat back four. I, jury's out for me as to if he can do this wing back role. Well, he did it a bunch last year, if memory serves yeah. me correctly. I mean, the big thing is you hope it's this is an off day, not the beginning of a sophomore slump. Yeah, let's let's hope so. But I mean, that, he, de he definitely overachieved last year, so you hope he doesn't yeah. regret. The, the, the Caps came more into it after that second goal. They had some better play, but still no shots and goal to end the half. They had two shots that had been blocked, but nothing on, on target. So to get back into it, they had to, to switch things up. And it's like, how many changes do you make at halftime? Do you change the formation? So so actually, yeah, this change at halftime probably uh, ties into what someone was saying to you about Owusu. Because if, if you really want to change something, why would you bring on Owusu for mm -hmm. Baldi? I know he's more of an eight than a six maybe, but it felt like you could drop Russell back if you wanted or, or whatever. But I think bringing in Burhalter maybe maybe points to the fact that Owusu wasn't really able to go even maybe 45 or something. I think also, though, as well, defensively, they knew they needed to, to shore that up a bit. And I think... Yeah, he's going to be a better option there, possibly, than Baldy, the way that, that Baldy was playing. Because Baldy has struggled a little bit defensively at times in MLS. And we know he's got a, a sweet foot in him and he can move the ball about. But I, I think at that point, that was, a, that was a good decision. I was surprised Brown maybe didn't get, get pulled off at halftime as well. But it was just the one sub. 
And it was a lively start to the second half. I mean, they, they were looking good. They were forced a corner. They they, they looked a, a, a different team. And you're thinking, oh, surely they can't turn this around. And then in the 52nd minute, nope, definitely they weren't going to turn it around because <laughs> Jake Nowinski, second yellow card. I know there's been a lot of debate about this, but for me, definitely a yellow, second yes. yellow, so you're off. Yeah, it's harsh to get sent off for something like that. But it's a second bookable offence, unquestionably for me. How did you feel about his first one? I thought that was softer. Yeah. I would say that. I, I thought his was soft. Um, yeah, his was a little soft. I thought Caicedo's was borderline soft. Like, I didn't think it was necessarily soft, especially the first time yeah. I saw it. And I was like, oh, then I was like, I saw the replay and I was like, yeah, maybe it wasn't that bad. But the ref, I think, is also trying to stamp his control in the game, which you could say maybe he didn't. But um, or he was he wasn't consistent enough because there was other tackles that were 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 going in or flying in or mistimed or whatever that weren't that dissimilar. Um, but I mean, Jake had to have known like I mean, sorry, Jake knows if you disrupt a player in any way like that when they're breaking away, you're you're bound to get booked for uh, booked for it. And so I know he was seemed shocked in the moment, but I think if, when he reflects. If he's honest about it, he'll understand why he got his second yell. Maybe he'll feel more angry about the first one. But mm. when you got that first one, you know that anything you do, any any misstep is going to see you sent off. So, like, I don't know. I think he, I think for him, it was like, you know, we're still in this at 2-0. He was trying to save the game, and he didn't. And that was kind of like the nail, you know, the, the first nail in the coffin, I guess you could say. I think he looked shocked because in his mind, he had his hands on him, but he took it off really quick. But, but when a guy's he, running like that, you can't yeah. put his, your hands on him. He, he'd already impeded him by that point. Like, e even if you knock him off for a stride, you've impeded him. Because he was going to get on that ball, and I'm pretty confident he would have left Jake for dead. <laughs> on the broadcast, yeah, exa exactly. On the bro broadcast, I think they said that um, it was checked or whatever, or it was confirmed or whatever. Can they check a yellow card like that when it leads to a red card? Because I thought before they couldn't check anything to do with yellow cards. I guess it was red. a sending off, so maybe they would be checking to see if that was right. Sure. I, I mean, a couple of folk have said, well, if it was a dog so, then it would have been a straight red. But it, it definitely wasn't that because there was another player and it yeah, was yeah. so far out that you there couldn't was another player, see. But, there was another player, but also you felt like, I don't think that other player was going to catch him, you know? No. I, I, I think if he hadn't have been, like, checked in his stride, he would definitely have got onto that ball and been been through on goal. I, I don't think there was any question about that. So it is tough to, to get sent off for something like that, but I, I have no complaints about it at all. I will we'll come to what that might mean for next week in a sec. After that, I mean, Arthur crash went off the bar for Columbus, but full credit to 10-man Vancouver because that was their best spell of the game and they looked decent, a man down. Yeah, I mean... They battled for sure, and I think it's that you know the thing that we've we've talked about when when a side goes down a man they everyone maybe picks it up because they know that they either want to get back in the game or don't want to let things get worse than they are and yeah you saw that for the next uh, what almost twenty minutes or so. But then it all fell apart in the the closing minutes. Two goals in a three minute spell, eighty fourth minute, it went to three 0 Diaz eventually puts the ball in. Ball comes to him at the 
the far post, tight angle, hits it high in the net. Uh, your, your buddy, Zardes. yeah, your buddy. He, he, what? He, well, the white, the white cap. I can't remember who was tackled there, but the Bla- white cap. Blackman got the the tackle that knocked it away. Yeah. I don't know how much time Zardes wanted to. But he knocked it like right into the path, sort of, sort of into the path of the other guy, or the. Yeah, he knocked into the path of Diaz, which was unfortunate. Diaz, yeah. But he did well to get to knock it away because Zardes seemed to think he had all the time in the world. I have no idea what he was doing there. And then three minutes later, four 0 beautiful individual goal, really. Zeller Ryan just waltzed through the the White Cats defence, got the space, finished. <sighs> Vanny said afterwards, 4-0 was maybe a little bit harsh. I uh, don't know that it was, though. It was good. I think he said, you know, I felt 2-0 was fair at the half, but then the 4-0 was, was, was too harsh. I, 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 don't, I, I didn't think it was harsh based on what happened in the game at all. At all. In fact, I, if you actually look at the game, it probably should have been like 5-6, maybe even 7-0 with the chances hey, that... we're not Cincinnati. Like, yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, but they're, they're, I think they're definitely fortunate that they didn't get, you know, uh, what time is it to eat? Yeah, I had it all queued up. But I mean, we won't play what Vanny said after the game. You can find that on the, the Whitecaps site and on Whitecaps YouTube. But in summary, he admitted it was a very bad start and a very bad first 20 to 25 minutes. Felt they got better into the game in the last 15 minutes of the half and then the start of the second. Then Jake was sent off, and they they were back in the game. He thought at that point, but I don't know that they really were because they still were struggling to to get anything creatively going and getting any shots off. He said, "I, I think we were doing the things that we were supposed to do, and we were playing much better." And it they did look for for spells in the second half of, of doing what Vanny wants him to do, but at the same time. It still feels it needs a lot of work. And it is game one of the season. So let's not just get all doom and gloom, as I said, right off the top here. They've they've got a chance now to go away and work on it. That's what he said. He knows it's a tough task coming in. He described it, Zach, as a wake-up call. He said it several times. And, and hopefully it is. Hopefully they do learn from this. One of the big positives is it was a, an away game. And it was against Eastern Conference opposition, so you're not dropping points to guys in your conference. But all you can really ask for from this, because there's not a lot of positives, is that they learn something from it. Yeah, you hope it's just that. I mean, you hope that it is a, a wake-up call. But yeah, I, I think there's a few players who probably, you know, like we talked about, who had really significant off days or didn't perform to their level. But it, I think... And, and and I understand why Benny wouldn't maybe talk about this, um, but like I they got they got to evaluate this this for me this formation slash system because it, I, I think there there's potential that so I think if they don't address some things better or or maybe it's the communication or whatever like they, they got, it wasn't clicking like the the formation the tactics weren't working and they weren't able to you know do enough to to once they got behind to not only stop Columbus but actually put a thing together. I, mean, I don't know if you I don't think we've even have we even said that they haven't didn't get a shot on goal. Like oh yeah no we haven't mentioned that but yeah that's, the, the the match finished with no shots on on goal either. I think three blocked shots that they, they had over the, the course of the game, seven shots I want to say it was in total. 
it's pretty bad. Yeah. But I like I, I know we've said before you can take these ratings with a pinch of salt on who scored, but they had all of Columbus, apart from the goalkeeper who got a six point six rating. The lowest any Columbus player got was seven point one. The only reason the Columbus keeper only got that is he had nothing to do. It's like six point six for reading his book. The the highest white cap was Ryan Gold at six point nine and everyone else was low sixes and some were less than that and some were four and I mean defensively, I, I feel the defence wasn't helped out by the wing backs in midfield. It's been a big complaint of ours constantly. I don't think we were good at being aggressive, moving the ball forward, which is what Vanny is wanting this team to do. There was just no no aggression there at all. Caicedo maybe showed some glimpses for me, and I do like him up front. Cava wasn't great. He did win six aerials. He didn't get booked, which I think is a big plus when, when you're talking <laughs> about Cava. He had two off-target shots, a 63% pass accuracy, and no key passes. Yeah, he continues his poor form for the Whitecaps. Yeah, it's it's sad when the bright spot for him is that he didn't get booked. Yeah, I'm I'm being a bit facetious, but that is actually also true. The the team only managed six key passes as a complete team, and no player had more than one key pass. And I I, I was struggling for positives. I've mentioned we didn't lose to a Western team. That's one of them. Pedro Vitti, I thought, was a bit of a bright spark when he came on. Liked what I saw. Want to see more from him. As soon as we can get him as a starter, the better for me. And Brienza making his debut, it was nice as well. I've been a big fan of, of Emmy for a, a couple of years now. Watched him come through the academy in the under-23s. And he's going to thrive. We'll talk about him in the next part. But he's going to thrive th- this year. That was one thing I did actually appreciate from Vanny. Was he looked at the game... They're down a bunch of goals or a couple goals or whatever. Um, and they're down a man, but he's still like, Yeah, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some a young player in. I think in years past, with almost any one of our other coaches, there would have been hesitation to do that. Yeah. And so if there's one thing I, I appreciate from Vanny in this game, it's that he was like, No, we need to get this young player in to get him his first minutes so that you know when we need him to score a goal, you know, down the road. It's not his first time on a pitch as a as a as a pro in MLS. Yeah, and like even Raposo as well kind of looked lively when he came yeah. on. So, yeah. But then compared to what we had, I think anyone doing anything, you'd be like, oh, he's lively. That that's that's promising. So a tough start to the 2022 campaign. Maybe not totally unexpected, but it's kind of weird because the Whitecaps playing a former MLS Cup champion. And then next week, the home opener against the current reigning, defending MLS Cup champs, New York City FC, Man City Light, as Zach likes to call them. And this is going to be NYC's fourth game of the year so far. They've already had a two-legged 6-0 aggregate win over Costa Rican side Santos de Guapiles in the CONCACAF Champions League. They had their opener away to LA Galaxy on Sunday, which we'll, we'll come to in the next part as well. They've got dangerous guys, Castellanes, Morales, Chano. They've been getting goals. We know how dangerous they are. We saw what they can do in winning the cup last season and they, 
they've got a lot of bright sparks. But the question, Zach, is will they be playing those guys next Saturday at BC Place? Because I think we'll see an NYC B team out. Because three days later, they're flying back to New York to take on uh, Guatemalan side Community Cachions uh, on Tuesday in the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal. And th- this is the team that knocked Colorado out on penalties th- this past week. And this is a huge chance for New York City to, to get to the semis and a semi against Leon or Seattle. So I will be amazed if Ronnie Delia doesn't put out a weakened team next week. Yeah, I mean, but a weakened team would have beaten the white the white caps today. I think. Well, that's the but thing because he will also probably look at today and think, you know, I can get away with putting out a weaker team. But we yeah. we're a different animal at home, and well, it has totally, to be said. Totally, totally, totally. And and, and you got to hope for their sake that Brian White is maybe uh, available. They, they and, think he will be. That's the and, expectation. And, and maybe a Wusu can start. And yeah. Um, I'd rather throw Pedro Viti in there as well if they think, even if they can get an hour out of him, I'd rather see that than him coming on for the last half hour. It's weird because in the past, I always thought, sorry, I've often, I think, even said on the show that I I think, you know, these um, CONCACAF Champions League games help teams hit form, you know, help them get in form early in the season. However, the reality has probably been, when you look back on it, that it has been bad for bad for a lot of them because it was last year. Yeah, in Toronto, remember Toronto? Yeah, remember Philly, years ago where, Columbus as well yeah. last year. So um, it it could be the right time for Vancouver to be playing for them to be playing the defending MLS champions um, who will have other things on their mind for sure. Also, they know. Oh well, if we lose this, it's just a team in the West. We've not lost exactly. a, a, against a, exactly. an Eastern opposition, but we can make the points back up. So, although I, the the, the Whitecaps have to be careful not to step on that third rail and then get shocked by lightning. <laughs> on, on those oh, shirts. I wonder if wonder if they'll wear that voltage kit next week. I'm sure they will. Well, it'll, it'll depend on what the Whitecaps are wearing because the Whitecaps are wearing Ooh. blue. They won't they won't wear it. Oh then, yeah, right? that's true. Depends if they want to market the new kit in the home opener. Because Portland today did wear their their rose. Yes, let, let's call it the rose, but we'll get to what we're really calling it in part four. Um, I, I'm, Despite today, I am actually confident heading into next Saturday because it's a home game and because I think New York City is going to have one eye on the midweek game, I'm going to go for a, a, a 2-1 Whitecaps victory. So they're getting at least two shots. Yes, or an own, uh, own goal and penalty. <laughs> <laughs> um oh man that the result today and just the the disconnect between some of the players leads me to believe that it's going to be hard for them to win but our conversation about man city light makes me think um let's go with like a one one two two kind of draw who would you put in then with jake being out and would you make any other changes to the back line yes and yes uh i mean for me i think i would go with uh the Godoy, Ranko, and Youngworth. I think I, I would do that. I mean, obviously Jake's out. Um, if not, if not those three, then I would go uh, Godoy with Ranko and uh, uh, Tristan. Uh, yeah, see, I'm I'm Godoy, Flo, and Tristan. That's what I think yeah, I would go that's, with. That's that's fair. Yeah, if you want to get Ranko out of there, I guess. Yeah, I, I think Gutierrez has to be on the left. I don't care yeah. what you do on the right. I don't care if it's Brown again. Uh, no, I'd, or, I'd stick I'd stick the homie on. The yeah, right. I think it'll be the homie, but. 
Gutierrez has to start the game. And if he's fit, Owusu has to start. Obviously, White has to start. Um, it'll be I interesting. Keep Caicedo see... up front because I really want to see White and Caicedo and see what they can do together. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see what they do with that. If all three of them are fit, um, who gets in there? Especially but, if you've um, got if you've got White on the left, Caicedo on the right, and then Dahomey also on the right because yeah. the two of them link up so yeah. well. That's true. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. So up front, if White or Cava on the, the front left striker, Caicedo on the right. But actually, I would, I would be, to go back things. I would switch the formation. To me, this would be the three, four, one, two. So Maybe that I will would, be the home formation. Maybe it's yeah. going to be a home and away. I'll have, uh, I'd have Ryan behind the strikers, obviously, and then in the middle again. If they're fit, I would try Ousu with Vite. That's an exciting one for for sure. And then if you can get Kyo in, it's just he's just got to get up to some match fitness, even a few minutes off the bench to try and get him that. And yeah, we'll see how that goes. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know how confident you are. Let us know your thoughts after that season opener. As we say, it's a long season ahead. It's just one of 34. There's a long way to come back. I'm sure we can do it, even though I had us finishing 10th or 11th. Might have been a bit optimistic after today's performance, but we'll see how that goes. But we will be back with some more Whitecaps chat as we look at some of the other Whitecaps news from this week after this. Hi, I'm Vanni Sartini and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our Artist of the Month for February here at AFTN, English band The Jam, an iconic band, a big favourites of mine in my childhood. What's your favourite jam? No one's made that joke. I picked them so that somebody would say, what's your favourite jam? I'd be like... Paul Weller's band from the late 70s and the 80s, and nobody said that to me. What's your favourite jam? Strawberry. (laughs) But that was Eaton Rifles, the only single released from their 1979 album Setting Suns, their fourth studio album, reached number three in the UK charts. So for this part, we're going to look at some of the other Whitecaps news of the week. 
some comings and goings and officially we have a WFC 2 as they're going to be called this year schedule because yes WFC 2 are back Zach Zach back and crack is that one of those things that folk get I can't remember but a rebrand is coming next year so it's going to be a, a, a different name next year but WFC 2 are back you can get your certificate out you and Steve what was that called? Was it the starting 11? Or was it... I was forget. it finding member or something? Uh, or? I don't know. It was something they were trying to... They were trying... They were trying to... If I remember the meeting correctly, they were trying to sort of emulate something Seattle was doing, but without any of the substance that Seattle had put into it. I'm sure it was members. I, th- I think it was a membership or something like that. Maybe. But, it's, I mean, Seattle... Initially, Seattle... Seattle, their members put in like 250 dollars each or something and that money was supposed to go towards starlight or starfire or whatever um and then and then when the club was going to use it for something else and the supporters like whoa, whoa, whoa i think the club gave the money back oh but i mean they're building a whole new no new deal now but yeah but we've, we've got our waterfront stadium coming sorry what now <laughs> <laughs> but yeah wfc2 are back i i thought they would just go with that i i'm actually surprised that they're doing a rebrand but if you're going to do a rebrand waiting for next year, I guess it's kind of sensible because of everything that's still going on with COVID and the year that they've just had. But it does make you wonder with the rebrand and obviously Rob Friend was on the show last week talking about the CPL team and they're going to be coming out with their branding. Are they maybe wanting to kind of see what branding the CPL side go with so that they go in a, in a different direction? Or would you not maybe want to preempt that and get your branding in first yeah that is kind of interesting to see well i mean we'd have to know the rationale first I'm, I'm i'm guessing part of the rationale might be this is all well they've known about it for a long time so i was gonna say the timeline maybe for them isn't helpful but i'm pretty sure they've known this this league was coming for, for quite a long time when we, yeah when we but it has them. been a bit shambolic it's, because trying yeah, to get information out of mls about did, the league's been tough it got delayed for a year because of covid at least yeah. right yeah 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 I, I i don't know what they what they could possibly call the team it's going to be interesting actually because if they are going to be continuing to play at swan guard while they brand it with for burnaby but yep, twelve home games at Swan Guard. For me, it's great to be back there, and I know I'm back there with TSS. But being back to where it all started for me in my my Whitecaps fandom, which was in two thousand and one, October two thousand and one, was the first Whitecaps game that I saw at Swan Guard. Because you were visiting. I was over visiting my now wife. And you took her to the football. No, I went myself. Oh, I was going to say, I, was she in the back, back of the stand reading? I'll only take her to East Fife games at a gravel pitches. Uh, it's, no, of course I didn't take her to a nice stadium like Swan Guard. <laughs> but I, I think it's a great thing that the Whitecaps are back there. UBC would have killed the team dead this year. Swan Guard, you've got the history, you've got the memories, you've got the best pitch in the lower mainland that should be getting used for football way more than it does get used. I forgot to I ask. You, I forgot to ask you what uh, is their League One team still playing at UBC? Yes, they're going to be playing out of Kenwood's Field. It's a better option for them than the turf pitch beside the Development Centre, where you have to watch the games through a mesh fence. 
So this is bleachers and a whole side that you can get people standing along as well. So that's actually one of my favourite pitches up at UBC. So that's a good choice. I prefer Kenwood's Field to Thunderbird Stadium. Not commentary-wise, because you have to go up a gantry that when it's rainy and windy is terrifying. And me and Gideon have been up there. And I tried to get up there with my bad back once and I could not get up. But anyway, that's a whole other aside. But yeah, they're going to be out at Kenwoods. And WFC2 are going to be playing 12 games out of Swanguard. There's going to be two home weekend doubleheaders against Portland in April, where you'll have the MLS team on the Saturday and then this uh, MLS Next Pro team on the Sunday. And then the same again when RSL come to town in June. Three away doubleheaders, KC in May, Portland in July, San Jose in September. So 12 home games. Whitecaps are in the Western Conference Pacific Division alongside Seattle, Portland, San Jose and RSL. The Frontier Division has Colorado, Dallas, Houston, KC, Minnesota and St. Louis. It's a 24-game season. Decision day is kind of mid-September. I genuinely can't wait for this. I love WFC2. Regular listeners and readers on the site will know that we put a lot of effort into covering that team and we, we certainly plan to do the same again with, with this revamped and new version of it. But that was one of the big news items of the week. The other one, do the homegrown shuffle. Because that's what we got. Some homegrowns have left. We've got a new homegrown that has signed. We've got another player that's left and there could be more on the way. So there's there's four players we're going to talk about here. Gianfranco Fascinieri. He has gone altogether from the Whitecaps, bought out of his contract. Is, that, is, that, their, is that their only that's one buyout? Their only, they're allowed one homegrown, or they're a, not homegrown buyout, they're allowed one buyout a year, and that was their buyout. It was a pretty cheap buyout, I'm guessing, right? Cause yeah, it, it's, a, it's a strange one for me in some regards, but not in others. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> like he, he was a highly thought of centre-back when he signed the deal. And part of these homegrown signings in the last couple of years has been problematic because it's kind of felt that they felt that they've had to give them a homegrown deal to keep them. Otherwise, they would just lose them for free to Europe. So guys that have shown potential, they've got them on a deal and their chances probably of playing in the first team have been quite slim. And Fashionary was one of those guys. He impressed in the under-17s. He was away at the under-17 World Cup with Canada. Wasn't going to get MLS minutes, so got loaned out for the 2020 Island Games season to Ottawa. Didn't feature that much for Ottawa. Struggled to get minutes there. Came back to the Whitecaps. Got loaned out last season to the USL, San Diego Loyal. Didn't get a lot of minutes there. Struggled to to get game time. And when you've had two loan spells and you've not been impressing the coaches to to get minutes for there, a lot of questions are around you. And I saw a lot of people saying, oh, disappointed to see him go. They They should have given him minutes. They definitely should have played him in MLS Next Pro. I think this was the best thing for the Whitecaps. I don't think he was going to make the cut. He needs to be playing. 
I don't know where he goes next, but I to me it wasn't a surprise. You've got a better centre back in Christian Campania that I think will get a, a a deal definitely with MLS Next Pro. And I think he's got a lot more potential right now and looks the better player than Fashionary. So for me, Zach, it wasn't a big surprise. No, I'm not surprised at all. When, when uh, I mean, I heard things that, you know, after his time in Ottawa, it was like no other CPL clubs were interested in him mm-hmm. uh, based on his, his time in Ottawa. And I think this move shows that um, the Whitecaps didn't see him starting or playing in MLS Next Pro. And so, uh, yeah, I think... Uh, it's gonna, it, it'll be interesting to see where he goes from here. And uh, I know he, my understanding, I don't know him, but my understanding is um, that he has a strong desire to, 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 to be a professional footballer. He does. And, and so he'll, he'll, he'll keep uh, striving for that, but it, it, I think it's going to be a real uphill battle when, you know, the white caps don't keep you in any of their, their teams. And it's not likely like that could change, but you know, not likely that a CPL club will take you. Um, and then you I didn't would not play, be surprised if, I, I, like, I could see my FC Edmonton. I was going to say. Right, because right now they are desperate yeah. for players. One place I could see him going this year in Canada is, is FC Edmonton. Yeah. I, I think the writing, though, was on the wall for him when he didn't even start in last week's inter-squad game. And he came on for a late cameo off the bench. And you're like... If he's not starting in those games, then you, I, I thought a loan deal, I didn't expect to buy out. I mean, that that did surprise me, but I, I thought he would go out on loan. And I wish him all the best because Frankie is a really nice kid. Oh, yeah. Spoke he, to him on the show. He's got a passion for the game and I hope he does well, but he has to go and play. He has to take this next step because I feel he's actually gone backwards a little bit in his development. I've heard great things about him. Like, yeah, he's his passion, like you said, passion for the game and his enthusiasm and stuff and, and just a quality, like quality dude. But yeah, I think the, the footballing uh, journey, it, this is going to be a trying time for him in that. But I wish him well. Yeah. One homegrown though that has got a contract, one year one with MLS Next Pro with an option for 2023 and he signed an MLS short-term deal making his MLS debut the very next day against Columbus, Emiliano Brienza. We talked a little bit about him in the first part. He's been in the Whitecaps since 2018. He's a midfielder. He can also play up front as well. He's been featured in the last two pre-seasons. The expectation was that Brienza was going to get a homegrown deal last season, but he picked up an injury at training camp and it completely derailed him until the summer. I saw him play a couple of games for the Whitecaps under-23s over the summer, bang the goals, and check out our Twitter feed because I, I shared the video of a hat tri- first half hat-trick that he got against FC Tigers in a, in a friendly in the summer. He's a good prospect. I really i am interested to see what he can do in MLS Next Pro. And we, we spoke, he came on against Columbus, and he looked lively, had a shot, and... He's a guy I've got good expectations for, but I've been burnt before, so I'm going to take this one. I'm not going to build him up and hype him up too much. So I'm not going to interview him either because they'll just let him go. <laughs> I guess they've looked at that as a better option than to St. Ricketts. I was going to say, short-term deal. I was going to say, that was the thing that stood out for me about this, and even him coming on today was, it was like, this is the direction they'd rather go instead of Toss. In so some ways, like- though, that... It's good because it's the young, younger guy and you're yeah. wanting to, to... So it's 
So Toss's position this year is simply FO. Yeah. I, I think they're going to have to bring in another striker. In, unless they see some stuff out of Brienz in the next couple of games and think, oh, you know what, let's give him an actual homegrown deal. I think they're going to bring in a in a striker. And they, they've got some options that they can do that. And we'll, we'll come to that in a sec as well. But one striker that is away on loan. We mentioned it on last week's show. We just didn't know where he was going. Now we do. David Egbo, the curse of AFTN continues. I interviewed him, so obviously he's now gone from Vancouver. Loaned to USL side, Memphis 901, that I think is a football team, but it could be a cop show on Amazon Prime. I'm not 100% sure about that. They're in their fourth USL season, co-owned by Tim Howard, I found out today. So there there we go. Lots of shouting that I'm sure David will get shouted at quite a bit. They made the Eastern Conference uh, quarterfinals last year after finishing third in the Central Division. Their leading scorer was a guy called Kyle Murphy, who had 20 goals, third highest in all of USL. He's left to go to Miami FC. So this is a chance for Egbo to battle it out with some of the other forwards that they've got there for playing time and to show what he's got. I think it's a great opportunity, and I really do think this is a great chance for him to shine down there. Yeah, I, I really hope uh, he um, is able to hit form, find the back of the net a lot, and uh, be able to push on and and be able to play in, in MLS, whether that's in Vancouver or, or somewhere else. I, I really wish this this guy the best. I, I, I know we joke, like favourite interviews and stuff, but genuinely, that chat I had with David at the start of the season, it was a joy. It was meant to be a 10-minute chat, and I thought, I probably don't have too much to ask him. And we chatted for 20 minutes, and I could have chatted to him for way more. He, like, talk about Fashionary's passion for the game. David Egbo has such a passion for the game. He spoke about how much he loves it, and he just wants to watch football and learn and play. I think this is a great move. He knows he needs to get playing time. And I. this is a way way better and more testing environment for him than MLS Next Pro is going to be. So I think this is great. Wish him well. I'm really going to follow how he does down there very closely. And another white cap that I'm expecting to get loaned out and probably will make the announcement this week is Cam Habadula, who didn't feature last weekend in that inter-squad game either. Where he's going to get loaned, unknown. I'm hearing murmurs it's to a CPL team. Again, Edmonton spring to mind as a possible landing spot. I just have everyone going to Edmonton at this point. I think if you went to Edmonton, I think you'd be guaranteed some playing time. Yeah. Uh, is, but he's another guy that needs it. He has to get this yeah. playing time. Is, is Pacific not an option, do you think, because of the, the I don't people know. he's up against? Um, there's that. James Merriman's going to know him very well, though. Um, yeah. His, his brother Masood is lighting it up in VMSL, which is obviously a, a lower level league and stuff, and he was with the Whitecats before. But, I mean, he's a guy that I know a couple of CPL teams have looked at as well. We could have a Habadula brotherly connection, maybe going to Edmonton or something. Who who knows? That that would be an interesting one for them. Cam has the talent. He he needs to apply himself. And, like, Mark spoke about that when we spoke... Mark DeSantis says when we spoke last year. It's like, he he needs to just do the simple things, not try and beat everybody. 
and just look for the pass and stuff as well, not have to feel he has to do it all himself, which at times he felt he had to do under 17 and under 19 level. He's a really good talent and to see the best of him develop, he needs to be playing regularly. And again, I know we've got the second team, but there's more testing environments for some players and I think the CPL for Cam is one of those. I concur. Last couple of things. Homegrown contracts, I touched on it there. Vanny's also mentioned this. This new team allows the Whitecaps to do this properly and not just throw these homegrown contracts at guys as we perhaps have in the last couple of years. There's a few guys, I think, that sign deals that you're like, they're not MLS ready. Why are you giving them this, this homegrown deal? Now we get a chance to look at them in MLS Next Pro against guys similarly development-wise, depending on how teams are going to use this. And then if they do it there, make them earn that homegrown deal. Now, you're going to have some guys that don't want to do that. They want their pro contract. They'll say, well, I'll go to Europe. Hey, let them go. It's like, don't just sign guys so you don't lose them. Make guys earn their homegrown deals. It's what it needs to be. Yeah. And that, that's an important part of, I think, a uh, player's development is earning that uh, that seat at the table or that spot in the, the roster, the spot in the team, spot in the starting 11, right? Because a, a guy that was let go like Patrick Metcalf, he earned his MLS deal and he did it the hard way. He went to college, played for TSS, played with the under-23s, quit college to do that by betting on himself and earned his MLS deal the, the hard way. Yeah, it didn't work out for him and they, they've let him go, but he earned that deal. And that's what we need to see, guys earning these deals. All the draft picks. It's interesting, none of them's got an MLS contract, but they're all probably going to get MLS, or the vast majority are probably going to get MLS next pro deals. And then if they're worthy of an MLS deal, they'll earn it in that. And that's what needs to happen. But another interesting thing for the Whitecaps roster is the announcement this week that to make things easier for the Canadian teams, they're allowed to have three international players classed as domestics if they've played for the team for a certain period of time. This is huge and long overdue. And the reason that they're doing it is because how long it takes to get permanent residency status in Canada. Yeah, it, it seems. I agree with you. It seems like a very long overdue, overdue uh, leveling of the playing field because how many times was a player in Vancouver an international and then he went to another team and like months later he was a domestic American? It's, it's crazy how quick they can get it done. So this is fantastic and it does allow the Whitecaps a lot of scope and the chance to maybe bring in an international guy that maybe wouldn't do or sell some of their international slots. They're going for like 250 a piece and gam just now. So you can trade some of those if you need to as well. So long overdue, hopefully the Whitecaps utilise that well. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the Whitecaps round off their roster now with that. Because that also gives them the option now of maybe bringing in a, an international goalkeeper that they maybe wouldn't have looked at before. But now but they've Tom, possibly got the scope for As a that. backup? Because Thomas Zell is number one. Yeah, as a backup, but to challenge. Because yeah. he does need that challenge, I think. But that is it for the Whitecaps chat for this show. We'll be turning our attention to MLS in the next part. But we're going to round off this part by bringing you Wavelength a little bit earlier. And we're going to go back to 2014. 
for the, the song this week from a London-based band called Keshko. This is a song taken from their World of Football album and it's called Leave Me on the Subs Bench. Seen. 
to tame Oh, I'm sure there's been a slip twixt page and ink And though I hear it from your lips I don't think I'm up to this Oh, I'm fine here on the subs bench Don't go and spoil my day But I see the strikers coming off on display I wish I had an injury a 90 minute stitch but the hands upon my shoulder now I'm on the pitch Tesco there from 2014, leave me on the subs bench, the plight of a substitute that knows he's not really good enough to come on the pitch, the team's not doing well, he doesn't want to come on, hey coach, don't bring me on, just leave me on the subs bench. It's like like you're, like you're at five-a-side. It is, I just want to be part of it, I just want to be there, cheering from the sidelines. Let's turn our attention to the rest of MLS West now, we'll be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFD and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the final song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN in February, The Jam, with their very first number one single, first of four. It was a standalone single as well, it wasn't on any of their albums. That was Going Underground. 
In this part, we're going to be looking around the rest of the MLS West. We know the Whitecaps are propping them up just now, but how did the rest of MLS West play out this weekend? Well, the action, not just in the West, but in all of MLS for 2022, kicked off in Philadelphia on Saturday afternoon as the Union drew one all with Minnesota. It was a good first half. Minnesota took the lead, a very nice Robin Lode goal in the 23rd minute, before Corey Burke tied things up 12 minutes later. A poor second half, pretty dire entertainment-wise, not a, a lot to to write home about, but a, a good point on the road for Minnesota, Zach, to, to kick off their campaign. These away points in a conference that's going to be so tight it is vital. Yeah, I think though, I think uh, Adrian Heath will be mo- mostly happy with that. Uh, their goal was nicer, that's for sure. <laughs> Whilst the Whitecaps game was going on, I had to zone up as well, and I was watching Max Cripo's LAFC, as I believe their official name is now, comfortably seeing off the Colorado Rapids. Carlos Vela hat-trick in this one. Vela had two goals in a six-minute spell in the first half, one of them from the spot. One of them that when you first saw it looked miles offside, and then you saw the replay and you're like, oh no! That's just terrible Colorado defending that yeah. that played him on. Danny Wilson just moved up too late in that one. Vela completed his hat-trick five minutes into the second half. Goal of the game. Low diagonal strike into the far corner after a little run into the box. Cripo, his first clean sheet in the black and gold. He only actually had one save to make in, in the whole game. So a pretty easy first afternoon at the office for Max. But if Vela is firing on all cylinders. LAFC is a team to watch. Yeah, LAFC are the GOATs uh, living out their winning mentality. <laughs> Strangely, for me anyway, I mean, I haven't maybe followed them too closely, but Daniel Henry on the bench, maybe not that big a, a surprise, but Hollingshead as well. I mean, they made a big play for that, but he starts off on the bench. So I thought that was a little weird, but they kept a clean sheet. So what do I know? Next up... More Canadian interest. Dallas won, TFC won. And a lot of VAR in this one as well. VAR was the star of the show. It's now centralised as well out of Atlanta, at least initially. I don't know if it's going to be season long or whatever. I I like it. We've called for that for a while. I think it works well. But you're still bringing the referee over to to look at it. They've learned from the Bundesliga, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jader O'Brien gave Dallas the lead in this one nine minutes in. Flag went up, though, for for offside, and it was given upon review, and when you saw the still, I was like, oh, I think he might be off, it's really tight, but they thought it was clear and obvious, and they they overrode the decision, and it was 1-0 to Dallas. Then Dallas thought they had gone two up, but VAR giveth, and VAR taketh away. Yeah, and this one was pretty clear. Yeah, this this one definitely was offside. Uh, Jesus Ferreira had the ball in the net, but it was ruled out in review in the, the pass that he had received. The, the guy was offside for that. And then from nowhere, really, Osorio tied it up for TFC because, I mean, Dallas were the better team in this first half, but stroke a half time, TFC tied it up. And that was how it finished. But TFC thought they had a penalty midway through the second. Pozuelo went down, referee clear view, pointed to the spot, Again, VAR got involved and they reversed the decision. Now, 
I think this was a penalty. Um, I think TFC could be a little bit aggrieved by it, but it's TFC, so I don't really care too much. But I mean, what, what did you think? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I totally understand why they were aggrieved, and it probably would have been better for if you if you love the Whitecaps if if, if Toronto got the penalty, yeah, and uh, and scored. But um, I yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting game. It was interesting to see how. Bradley used his team in the in his first uh, like real real game. I thought um, I was a little bit surprised at some things, some of the squad selections and, and, and stuff. But um, ultimately, Osorio just continued to show why he's so good and why he's a valued member of the the national team by being just like a quality attacking midfielder. When you watch their yeah. goal, him just reading the play and attacking the space at the back post and stuff. Which That's is something I, he does very well. He does read the oh, game yeah. well. Which is why I'm a little concerned. That, you know, I know it's only one game, but like you said with Daniel Henry, like as a valued member of the national team, the dude needs to be playing. Um, yeah, I don't know how many minutes he is going to get this year, I've got to say. With TFC, we, we know they're going to be stronger in the summer. Their big guys are coming, I'm sure. They're going to have another splash as well. They've got to keep in the in the mix to get to the summer to so that they're not cut adrift at the bottom I, I don't think we really know what we've got from TFC yet they, look, they looked they had glimpses today they looked good they've got some exciting homegrowns I still have concerns with, with Bono being their their starting goalkeeper yeah. I don't know that they that, the, that, the championship team with him as their goalkeeper that was one of the surprising things for me today was oh Bono's getting enough mm. yeah I I uh, I think they need to. I don't think. Uh, what was his name? West Westerbrook. Uh, West Quentin, Westberg. Westberg. I don't think he was the answer either. I think they. No. I think they. Well, I think if they were, they didn't sell Bono when he was um, at his height when they could have made some money off him when there was talk about other teams and. Um, I think if they could do something like that, maybe play him, get him doing good, and then sell him. But they, I think ultimately, really, they need a better. They need to bring in a better keeper. Doesn't matter where that's from. Doesn't matter who it is. But they need to bring in someone of better quality at that position. Well, I mean, we talked about the white caps and the new roster rules in the last part. I mean, that's a chance as well. Toronto can bring in an international keeper, and it's not going to to be. I feel like a wasting of an international spot now either. Going back to Dallas, since we're primarily looking at at the West. There was definitely signs in this that they're a far improved team from last year. And I think once they start clicking, it's, it might come down to defensively, like if they, how much they've improved in the defensive side. They've obviously lost Pepe, but they've still got some exciting attacking pieces there. I think they could be one to watch. Oh, yeah, totally. Now, Alan Koch tweeted out on Saturday morning, best wishes to his two former MLS teams, uh, the Whitecaps, they lost 4-0. And <laughs> FC Cincinnati, who Alan said that he felt this could be Cincinnati's year, <laughs> that they'd got good foundations and that this could be the year that they turned things around. 5-0 trouncing by Austin. Did he say anything about the culture? No. <laughs> but th this was... I, I watched the extended highlights of, of this one. This was horrible. Cincinnati hit the bar at one point, but they were 4-0 down at that stage. Yeah. And Austin just ran riot. 
Cecilio Dominguez made it 1-0 just two minutes in, finished off a low free kick at the back post. Alex Ring made it two in the 14th minute. Sebastian Driussi made it 3-0 two minutes before half-time. Finishing on off, if you haven't seen this goal, check it out. It's a lovely team passing goal. Even has a couple of back heels in it. It's like fantastic Which stuff. Which one was that? I watched that was the, uh, the third one, Drew Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they're so confident by that point, they're doing back heels in the box. To, and then the guy that got the back heel does a back heel. It's like, yeah, we, we can do this. Uh, Dominguez got his second goal just past the hour mark. And then Alex Kahn rounded off a miserable afternoon for Cincinnati by deflecting the, the ball into his own net. Much like Ranko for the Whitecaps, he didn't really know much about that at all. But Austin moved the ball about really well in this. They look an improved side as well. So you've got Dallas that look improved. You've got Austin that look improved. And you've got the Whitecaps that's, that looks like we've taken a couple of steps backwards. So we really, really need to turn that around quickly if these other teams c- can keep this going. But again, very early days, one game in, we've seen teams start off the season well before, especially Dallas, and then fall like a stone. So we're not going to know too much probably till about June or July as to whether these teams have turned things around, but it was also horrible, poor opposition in Cincinnati, so definitely tough for that one. San Jose won, New York Red Bulls 3 San Jose didn't look good in this either. No. They went one down in first half stoppage time. Patrick uh, Klamala finished from three yards out. San Jose did level things up in the 69th Mm -hmm. minute. Nice back header off a corner. I do like a back header, I've got to say. It's just... I've actually scored a couple of those in my time accidentally. I just jumped for the <laughs> ball and hit off the back of my head. But I, I, it's a goal I actually remember at high school. I remember scoring a goal like that because even the the, the gym teacher said to me, "Where did you get those skills?" Uh, I didn't. I didn't want to say. I just jumped with my eyes shut and the ball hit off the back of my head and flew in. But it was a good goal. But three minutes, the parity lasted before. Omer Fernandez put Red Bulls back in front, finishing through Marcinkowski's legs. It was a very poor goal to give up by the San Jose yes. keeper, who gave up a few bad goals last year as well. And then New York wrapped it up in second half stoppage time as well. Tom Barlow, known as Ken to his friends, put away the third comfortable win for Zach's favourite team. Saturday's action rounded up with the best game of the day. This was entertaining. If you haven't oh, seen yeah. this, yeah, try and even really just good. watch the 15 minutes extended highlights on the MLS site because four minute highlights does not do this game no. justice. It was really good. Portland game two, of the day. Yeah, Portland 2, New England 2. I mean, first half was decent. It was evenly matched teams, but overall it was a, a great advert for the league, especially in the second half. The defending Supporters Shield winners went to the Timbers, took the lead four minutes before halftime. Brandon By headed one in off the bar from a corner. Second half, though, so much drama and action. Portland thought they should have had a penalty. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, how is that not a penalty? And then I watched it back and it's like, you know, that's actually a really good call because... I forget who went down now in the box, if it was Charo, but basically kicked 
Lizette's foot, and it definitely wasn't a penalty. Yeah. But I could see why, like, just a quick glance, you'd think, oh, that's definitely a clear penalty. But Portland did tie things up uh, on the hour mark. Aspria made it 1-1. Again, in this game, parity lasted just three minutes. Sebastian Leger put the Revs back in front. A, a nice little finish. He, he took that well. But the goal of the game... Yeah. Jimmy Yimmy. Chara. Yimmy, Get on Jimmy. your bike, Yimmy. 12 minutes from time. Bicycle kick. I, there was a couple of bicycle kicks tried in games today that didn't come off. Uh, I, think, I think, including one against the Whitecaps. But this this was goal of the week. I, I think it, it's probably going to be. But yeah, it, it was a great game. And I could watch games like that in MLS. I, like If you want to get people excited in MLS, you show them that game. And the good thing is it was on the normal Fox channel as well that I didn't know yes. about. Someone had mentioned to me. So that is a great advert for the league. Yeah, it was by far the game of the weekend. So five more games rounded up the week one action in MLS on Sunday. Four of them involving Western Conference teams. Before we get to them, though, I just want to make a quick mention of the very first game of the day. Orlando 2, Montreal 0, the final Canadian team in action over the weekend. None of the three Canadian teams coming away with a win in the opening weekend. Montreal... When I saw the the lineup for this, I was just thinking, what a good team, what a good squad Wilfred Nancy ha- has put together. And they really look like they could be a, a danger in the Eastern Conference this year. Now, that good squad building didn't transfer onto the pitch. They, they went down to that 2-0 loss. Orlando's two goals coming in the second half, Pato in the 49th minute, Michelle in the 59th. Montreal's cause wasn't helped in the 66th minute when Rommel Kyoto received a straight red for a stupid reaction, pushing Robin Jansen in the chest, both hands. I mean, it was more than just a shove. It wasn't a punch, but it was definitely more than a shove. It was pretty strong, straight red, can be no complaints there. I mean, Jansen's one of those kind of irritating players that I think gets under people's skin. And he himself actually got sent off with nine minutes to go for a a stupid shoulder charge that kind of took Torres out as he was trying to break through on goal. So both teams finishing with 10 men, but Orlando coming away with the three points. Couple of promising signs for Montreal, so I'm, I'm sure we'll see them build on that. Let's get to the games, though, now that affected the Western Conference teams. First up, Atlanta 3, Sporting Kansas City 1. Now, in this one, Sporting Kansas City had some of the, the better of the early going, had a, a shot cleared off the line early. Louis Araujo put them ahead in the 20th minute, and then Dom Dwyer made it 2-0, three minutes into first-half stoppage time. Now, Dwyer was a, a recent addition by Atlanta. When they made the signing, I was thinking to myself, does Dwyer still have what it takes to be a difference-maker in this league? He's... Kind of seen his stock kind of slide a little bit in the last couple of seasons. I think he could be completely reinvigorated with this Atlanta team. He looked really sharp today, got that goal. I think it's going to be a fantastic addition for them. And I, I think Atlanta's definitely going to be one of the, the strong teams in the East this, this year. They did give up a goal. They gave Kansas City some hope with five minutes to go. Daniel Saloui pulled one back for the visitors. But then the 89th minute, 
absolutely fantastic. Caleb Wiley, 17-year-old, making his debut for Atlanta, got the third goal. Great goal and finish as well. Showed so much composure well beyond his years to, to finish that one off. So not a great start for Sporting Kansas City, but a pretty good start for LA Galaxy. They they squeaked a 1-0 win against New York City FC, defending MLS Cup champs. The team, the Whitecaps, will be taking on next Saturday at BC Place. Great result for them. Probably not a great performance. It wasn't a great game. What the Whitecaps can glean from this, from a NYC point of view, I'm not sure. Possibly that it's maybe not going to be the most entertaining match that, that we see next Saturday. Whether it is the A team or the B team, though, I think the Whitecaps could have the beating of this NYC side. The only goal of the game came in the 90th minute. Chicharito, lovely finish for him. He showed some really good glimpses in this one. And I'm not ready to say that the Chicharito that we saw to kick off the 2021 season is there just yet. I think get another few games under his feet, though, and we'll we'll get a good indication as to just what Chicharito we're going to see in 2022. But he is one of the keys for the Galaxy. If he's firing on all cylinders, if he's getting the goals, they've got a chance of being a playoff team. Still worry about the defence, even though they kept a clean sheet in this one. But if he's not scoring, if the defence gets sloppy, I still think they're going to be struggling to, to be a playoff team. But... We know that Greg Vanny is good at turning teams around. We know they can splash the cash if they need to as well. But they've got off to a strong start. But they did that last year and then fell like a stone. So we'll see what happens there. Penultimate game of the weekend was not a classic. Houston nil, RSL nil. Very little to talk about. You know it's not a good game when you watch the 7 Minutes YouTube highlights and all you're seeing is errant passes or just meaningless breaks that come to nothing. And you're like, well, they're struggling to fill seven minutes. I was at least hoping for a red card in this one because it was four bookings in the first half, two by the hour mark, seven all together, but no sending offs. I mean, it wasn't even a dirty game, but the ref was just card happy, putting cars left, right and centre. The only thing of note in this one, substitute Darwin Quintero, for Houston, fantastic strike, crashed off the bar with about eight minutes to go. That was all that there was to talk about. Two poor teams, two teams that on this showing, I think the Whitecaps have nothing to fear against those and should definitely pick up points against them this season. And then the weekend wound up with a a game that I expected to be a lot better than it was. Again, if you watch the seven-minute highlights, there's bits in that that were like, well, this clearly wasn't a very good game if they're showing that as one of the highlights. Seattle nil, Nashville won. The new boys to the West coming away with a very, very strong three points and opening weekend. The only goal of the game came 10 minutes from time from Godoy, and it's one of my favourite goals of the weekend. Not because it was a classic goal or a Galazzo or a great team goal, but there was some horrible, hilarious Seattle defending in this one. They failed to clear the ball past really the first man on the edge of the box. He sent it back in and then Godoy acres of room to run in, just ghosting at the back, tucked it away nicely. Three points to Nashville. I've liked watching 
what Gary Smith has done with Nashville the last couple of years. They've always been strong and a defensive footing. I know it's not the most exciting to watch at times, I've talked about that before, but to win in the West, you need to have a good defence. Nashville's got that. I do see them being a strong team and in contention for the top four in the West this year. So that was all the action. How did that leave the standings? Well, the, the Whitecaps, bottom of the West, one of five teams that are pointless. Five teams also picked up just one point over the weekend. Four teams got victory and leading the way, Austin FC, who'd have seen that coming, but their five goals that they got against Cincinnati sees them leading the pack. Will they be there at the end of next week? We'll have to wait and see. But that is it for our MLS roundup, our first one of 2022. It's not it for the MLS chat though. We will be back looking at the good, the bad and the ugly of the MLS 2022 kits after this. Hey, I am Axel Schuster and I'm listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's it's a song I've had in my head for the last couple of weeks and very poignant now to, to bring it in the show. I, I was going to play it last week, playing it this week instead. It's from 1980, an English punk band called UK Subs. It's called Warhead. And with everything going on in Ukraine, I just felt it was a, a, a good song to to play it's from their second album brand new age and i was listening to some of my old punk albums this week zach and from the early 80s they, they exploited former artists of the month they've got a lot of songs about the cold war and stuff with, with russia and, and everything like that and these are songs from like 40 years ago and you think well we've moved on in the world from that now we're right back in it and these songs feel as fresh and, and relevant as ever and just to kick off this part I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the situation in Ukraine now we don't cover politics too often in, in the show but th- this this goes beyond politics really and I, I want to tie a little bit of it into sport and just a little bit into into what is happening because we're doing a football show we're carrying on as if Nothing's changed in life. The MLS season gets underway today and it's so far removed from what's going on on the other side of the world in Ukraine. And you you see the news footage and it just puts everything into perspective as to to how lucky we are here that we're not going through that. And 
The response in football today has been great to see. In England, players uniting, players with shirts and messages for Ukraine and other sports as well. There's obviously been things happening in that the Champions League final has been taken away from St. Petersburg and it's going to be played in Paris this year. There's World Cup qualifiers coming up next month. Russia are meant to be playing a home game against Poland. Poland players said they're not going to play. The Polish Mm. Federation said they will not play that game. Whoever wins that game would be playing the winner of Sweden and the Czech Republic to go to Qatar. And the Swedes and the Czechs have said they won't play Russia either. So on Sunday, FIFA reacted to this by coming out and saying that Russia would not be allowed to play the playoff at home. Any games by Russia would have to be played on neutral soil. They will not play under the name of Russia. They'll be playing under the Football Union of Russia, kind of akin to what the Russian athletes competed under a different name at the the Winter and Summer Olympics. And that they wouldn't be playing the national anthem or having the Russian flag. Now, Poland, Sweden and the Czech Republic reiterated their stance that they will not be playing any games against Russia, no matter what they're calling themselves and no matter where they're playing, they're refusing to play these games. England and Welsh FAs also came out and said they won't play any games against Russia today as well. And it's going to be interesting now to see how UEFA respond to this, whether they will just kick Russia out of the, the tournament altogether, which for me seems the the only way forward in all of this. Now, Scotland play Ukraine in their World Cup playoff, and mm. like if that even goes ahead... That is going to be so tough for the the Ukrainian players, and like I think going into that when Scotland fancied their chances, but Ukraine's going to be like playing out of their skins, pride for the country in that now. But how can you expect these players to to play a game like that with with everything that's going on, and the whole world is going to be wanting Ukraine to win that now as well? And obviously, I'm a Scotland supporter. And I want Scotland to get to the World Cup, but how can I cheer against Ukraine? Yeah. It's just been a, a a crazy couple of days, Zach, watching everything that happened, and you just feel so helpless and so powerless. And sport takes it's like it's nothing compared to what the Ukrainians are going through, and it's just token gestures, but it needs more, but I just we won't get into what that more needs to be. Wiser people than us will talk about that, but you just feel so helpless. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, people are dying, and uh, this is tragic. And people's sovereignty is being usurped. Yeah, there's obviously lots of conversations we could have around this. The thing that touched me the most was the, and I'm not even going to try and say say his name, <laughs> say his name, but the Ukrainian uh, striker, attacker, midfielder for I want to say at Atlanta in the the Champions League or Europa League, whatever it was this week. Uh, he I think he got a brace actually. And um, yeah, he he lifted up his shirt that just said, you know, no war in Ukraine. In Ukraine, you know, you could just like, yeah, you could just feel the sadness and the pain and the care, you know, all at the same time for his country. And then the other non-football sporting thing is, I've just read headlines, so I haven't <laughs> dug deeper. But the 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 boxing brothers, the is it the Klitschko, Klitschko's, yeah, yeah, because Vitaly like, yeah, is is the mayor of Kiev. 
Right. So they're just like, yeah, we're going to go to war. Like, we're going to be a part of this. Like, we're going to do all we can. And Well, uh, I, I don't know if you've heard of the boxer uh, Alexander Uzik. He's no. a Ukrainian boxer. He's one of the, the world heavyweight champions at the moment. So he's a multimillionaire. He lives in London. He could have stayed in London. He's gone back to the Ukraine to fight for his country. The, the other thing, too, the other part was for football today was... Uh, Manuel Neuer is out for Bayern now, recovering from a, a, a knee operation, and so and Thomas Muller didn't start today, so it meant Robert Lewandowski was the captain, and so on his left arm he wore the Bayern captain's armband, and on his right arm he wore a Ukrainian, an armband that was a Ukrainian flag kind of thing. So yeah, it's as someone who's from Poland, and obviously they they share a border, and both I think probably well, I know football like a little bit animosity, but also Poland's obviously welcoming all these uh, a number of. Yeah, Ukrainians which has been across fantastic. the border refugees, but they've um, said they don't need to show anything. It's an open border; they can just come in. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's lots of lots of outpouring right now, and everywhere. Of course, you go on social media, people are talking about it and sharing their their hopes for peace and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, just our thoughts are are with you at these difficult times. So that's not really easy to move on from something like that. I, I wanted to mention it. Well, we'll finish up with a little bit more light-hearted stuff and this is something which we recorded for the 500th episode of the show last week but as we mentioned at the start it was running at 3 hours 49 minutes and I think that's pushing it. I, I like to push the boundaries for our listeners but I thought that was taking it a bit too far so we cut out quite a bit including this whole chunk which was Zach, myself, Steve and Will Silver having a a look at the good, the bad and the ugly of the 2022 MLS kits. So I think we'll we'll bring you that chat just now. Flash Yeah, so I thought I'd bring this another uh, uh, part back that we've used in the past, the Flash 5. And I will give my top five worst kits and my top five best kits before everybody else delves into it. Yeah, we can see if we agree with you. Okay, so top five worst kits for me. Um, number five is mostly because I'm a little bit of a hefty fellow and I don't like all white kits. So it's the LA Galaxy uh, kit that they have. Um, number four. Uh, and number two and through four uh, will have somewhat of a theme because uh, it's not my favorite color. Um, Seattle, uh, <laughs> Seattle. I don't. I. Uh, but it's number four because Austin, I think, is worse. Uh, worse green, and the worst out of all of them is Atlanta. I didn't like Atlanta's kit at all. Uh, number two. Um, for number one, it's another Cascadian team. It's Portland. I have no idea what they were doing. I don't it's know. It's a rose. Is it? I, I thought it's it was a rose I thought it was one of those Rorschach tests or something like that. You try to figure out what it is. I, I described it to Caitlin as it looks like a, a circumcision that's gone wrong. I saw a swan oh. in there. I saw a swan in there at one point when I was looking at it. You saw a what? A swan. Oh. No, it's or a rose. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Rose it's amazing that like if someone analysed what Steve saw when he looked at it and what I saw when we looked at it, we could have a very interesting analysis there. 
Okay, so those are my top four worst kits. Um, I saw Zach uh, really surprised about the Atlanta one. Maybe I because the picture I got was a, a leak. It wasn't the official one, so I don't know. Mm. It might look different there. Um, top five kits. My fifth one was hard because I really didn't have a really good fifth one. Um, I think probably it's between Montreal. Uh, Montreal's clay. I kind of like that, you know, marble kind of look and Houston's because uh, it's kind of a black, but it's got things happening in the background. Uh, so those are, and then number four would be Charlotte's uh, blue kit. I like that, the nice blue mm. with the white uh, 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 sleeves. Uh, number three is LAFC. Again, black kit with a, a stuff happening in the background. I like that. I, I'm just talking about my personal preference. I know you, you're struggling with that. I like black kits. Um, and then number uh, two is the Union. Um, I like that, like, nice, nice trim of gold and everything like that. And anytime you can put bimbo, in a PC culture on a, on a thing, on a, on a kit or something like that and get away with it. It's fantastic. Um, and number one, I think the white caps kit is the best for me. I, I really like it out of all of them. So those are my top five. So, well, let, let, let's get your thoughts on this now as well. Then we'll get Zach's and then, then we'll get my wife's and then we'll get mine as well. Cause <laughs> I got Caitlin to have a look at it. So, so but you don't have to do a flash five. You can just do this however you want to do it. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll do the flash five. So the, the five worst kits for me uh, from five to one uh, were Orlando, uh, NYCFC, um, Houston, uh, and then Montreal and the Rose debacle, which is the timber kit. My five favorites. I think I've got a few that are close to Steve. Uh, number five. LAFC number four. I actually like Columbus. It's kind of classic, you know. It's yellow, but it, there's like a bit of a pattern in it. I kind of, I kind of like that. I think it's traditional, but adding a little bit of variety so, in there. Which one was that? Sorry, which one? Uh, the Columbus. Oh, okay. the crew. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then number three, I had Charlotte away. I think, as Steve said, I love that blue. I, I actually like. Uh, or sorry, their home kit, their blue kit. I actually like their away kit as well. The black kit is nice as well, but I, I chose Columbus away. And then I've always kind of liked their kits and I don't mind the club. My number two is Minnesota FC. Um, I do like their crest. Uh, I like the black with the light blue, that's electric blue. But number one with a bullet is the white caps kit. And there is a bit of sentimentality there as well. I love the hoop bar, whatever you want to call it, the hoop bar. Um, and uh, I do love the return to that sort of royal, rich, dark, navy, sea, blue, whatever they're calling yeah. it this year. It, it looked really campaign. good to see, like when you see it in person, that it, the color's pretty striking. Yeah. Zach, let's cool. get, get your thoughts. I, uh, I made a list for each conference. So it's sort okay. of th top three, bottom three with a few extras that's good so, something a little different uh on in the, my th my three bottom in the in the east i swear this is not just because i i don't like these clubs but there is i there I, is I see i i wondered because when i saw the new york red bull thing which oh. spoiler my wife hated and she said i don't like the red bull thing on it and i was like oh you and zach will get on like a house on fire <laughs> for, for sure the, the worst kit in my opinion is dead bulls kit uh number two is uh, i think will had it on his list as well is man city light 
That's a shockingly bad game <laughs> with the lightning bolt thing on it. For Especially I know it's for their supporters, their supporters of third rail or whatever. Yeah, but um, being the defending champions, they're coming out with that kit. Like you, you want to bring something classy out. Yeah, their 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 Man City light blue thing is is not. I mean, I don't know. I don't like it, but it's it works for them. The only um, thing that would save that is if they run out to electric sixes. Danger, danger, <laughs> high voltage. Yeah. That would that would that would be good. And then, so those are my worst two. Then next is I agree with Will again. Uh, I think I don't like this club. Uh, it's it's the Orlando City Thieves with that sunrise thing. I, Interesting is, is awful. Um, I didn't see that one. Oh yeah, go go see it, and you won't be able to not. I, I also Montreal is kind of like I, I. It was one of the ones I saw later. I didn't quite see it at the same time, and I don't I don't like it because it looks like a warm up top. Yeah, uh, like it looks like something you'd have as a special warm up top or a warm up top for 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 a season. So I I didn't really like that. The other thing before going to my top from the East, I also want to say this is I, I spent zero time investing into the marketing and the stories of these kits, except oh, for a yeah, couple. Yeah. Cause most of them were just like, it was like laughable what the story and the marketing was behind them for the best in the East. Uh, the ones I have actually are uh, so third best. I, I put, I grew Steve. I put the bimbos. I, I like Philadelphia's mm-hmm. kit. I like the yellow, the gold sash down. Yeah, I know it's not a it's not a crazy design for a kit, but I, I kind of like it. Um, disagreeing with Steve, I really like Atlanta's, um, and I did read a little bit about the story of, of it. I've been to Atlanta. I spent a couple weeks there around the '96 Olympics, and uh, they do have quite a bit of greenery in the city. I've been to some of the big parks in Atlanta, and uh, so they're calling it the the city in the the forest, the city in the forest kit or something. And um, I just like the design and I've looked at a couple of pictures more close up and I, I kind of like what they're doing and I, and I like how it's quite different from their. Zach, as, as I mentioned, two through four were all green and I don't like green. Yeah, no, that's. I, I, I'm not a big fan of green, so oh. that's why those, those numbers go. Ahead. Oh, we'll get to some green in a minute. So anyways, I got Philadelphia <laughs> and Atlanta and then I agree with Will. This is uh, I, I agree, uh, both their kits for Charlotte, I think are stunning. Like, I think they're really, really good, clean, simple. Uh, the sponsor, I don't know what it is, but I like it. Like, it looks it looks good. Ally is what it's called. I don't know mm-hmm. what that is, but it looks... Oh, I thought it was just some guy called Ali that was sponsoring. Oh, there you go. I thought he's got a lot of money. But And I usually... So I like the black. All black, Steve. I love black kits. And I think it's a good, clean, awesome. It's going to sell them tons of kit. The blue one, I usually don't like when the arms or sleeves are a different color. But that mm. one, I just don't mind it for some reason. And so I think it's, I think it's okay. So those are my East. And going to the West, obviously the worst is the one that got run over by a blue truck. Blue, the truck with blue tire or blue paint on it. That's the, the flounder skit is the absolute That's what I was worst. thinking. When I, I was wondering what that was. Like, I was yeah. wondering, like, what does that remind me of? And you're right. It's, it, it's, it's, it looks like a tire. It would right. make more sense if their sponsor was like Continental Tires or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, next, I put, and then I put this with a question mark because I know some people are going to love it. But I agree with you guys about the lumberjacks. Um, yeah. not, not for me. Uh, and then the last one, I didn't really put a third on on this list, but the, I just want to mention one other kit because you guys mentioned it as a positive. I don't know if I love or hate the goats new kit. And I think when I look at it, I think they're like trying a little. It's a black kit, and I usually like black. Kits. Yeah, they're trying a little bit too hard. It, yeah, because first yeah. of when I first just quickly glanced when I was flicking through, I was like, oh, is that some kind of like. Um, Aztec kind of that's thing. What I, that's what I thought. That's that kind of. Yeah, and then I, I looked at it closer and I was like, oh, it's just a mishmash of shapes. You know what it is? It's Art Deco. 
It's it's oh, L A R D I Elder logo. Yeah. yeah, and that's I why I like it. I I love L A as a city, and I I feel like it does embody the city, but and, it might and, be too strong on the pattern. And, I, and I, it I gives be. it might give me a, a sense of the Aztec. Maybe it's not meant to be, but I I like it because of that because it reminds me of that. But the other thing, I, I feel like they're I feel like they're trying too hard with the like I don't mind this when clubs do this or special national teams do this, but for something for some reason I don't like the Adidas symbol and the logo in the middle. I'm middle. sure people will love it because it'll be different and it won't, you know, be something nice to have something different. And I also, I don't know, again, I don't know what it is other than now that I know it's power tools. I don't flex. I, I don't like it as a sponsor. I actually, I really liked their YouTube TV thing before. I think mm. that that was like good. I would think it was connecting with young, a younger audience. I think it was identifiable, like flex, like what is flex? Before I go into my top, so that's either one I hate or it's great. I'm not. I'm not sure. Before I go into the top from the west, um, the other thing I'll say is disappointing. Again, I think there's at least three: Chicago, Colorado, and DC. There might be one or two more that don't have sponsors. I think mm. that's atrocious. Yeah. And MLS, it's really sad that MLS is still in that state with some of their clubs. Obviously, there's reasons and whatever. But I, I will uh, say though that I actually like a, a shirt that doesn't have a sponsor. You know, I I oh, I like it in one sense, Michael. Yes, but in another sense, it does it to me. It doesn't work and doesn't fit. I love like when every so often Bayern will do like a, a throwback kit and it won't have it. I love it, but like it doesn't look like a proper football kit. It looks like either a national team kit or a training kit or like whatever. So yeah, I, do I love the sponsors? No, but it makes it look out of sorts for me. And I know that's maybe hypocritical to some of my other Puritan views on football or uh, you know anti-modern football stuff, but. That's just how I'm feeling in the moment. Um, the best kits. Uh, I got four on this list. I'm going to give an honorable mention to San Jose with that gray kit, partly just because they have a sponsor and it finally looks like a normal kit. And their their blue one from last year looks really good and, again, even better with the sponsor. The next one, I'm going to agree with Will, and I'm going to say Minnesota, black kit. Again, Target, you might hate the company or whatever, but the, the logo is simple and identifiable and looks good. Uh, the next one, and this is kind of simple and it's not nearly their best, but they always do kits incredibly well. I'm going with the Sporting Club of Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and finally, uh, I don't know what Michael's going to say, but for the three of us, it's unanimous. I think the best kit in the West and the best kit of all of these ones that I've seen is the Vancouver Whitecaps. One thing that they have done mostly well, almost very well, minus maybe, what, two or three uh, you know, other ones, is they've made really good kits in the MLS mm-hmm. era. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they have a uh, bad timing on naming the kids, like the Unity kid. But other than that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. they've been fantastic. As an aside, I was thinking about this on on my way back home tonight. That the Whitecaps kits that I dislike the most are the white kits before they started the hoop or the bar. So the mountains, the rain, raindrops, uh, the raindrops, the, the raindrop, the yeah. The, triangly pizza thing was that the raindrop one yeah yeah yes. that, was, that was horrible i hadn't seen the san jose kit so i've just looked at it now i, I know obviously listeners can't see that it's that carrot top that's that's modeling <laughs> it on their website i don't know who that is i'll take a look either that or alexi lawless yeah mm. sean white 20 years ago oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i won't prolong this too much more i think we've said a lot uh caitlin only liked eight of them and she liked Atlanta, Charlotte away, Chicago, Colorado, LA home, New York away, but she didn't specify which New York, Orlando, and the Whitecaps. So she loved the Whitecaps as well. She thought it was excellent. Now, 
It's interesting that you said that about Kansas City, Zach, because I have spoken a lot in the past few years. I love Kansas City Strip. Year after year, they're consistently some of the best kits around MLS. I don't like this one. Oh, I think it's clean and, yeah, nice and, I don't know, I like it. The, the Chicago one, I when I first saw it, I thought was really bland. And then I saw the design as I zoomed in on it. I was like, oh, that's, that's not too 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 bad i think what i don't like about the kansas city one is the numbers and the kind of border of the, the oh, state wait. lines and stuff oh wait okay maybe i didn't look at this one closely enough hmm. yeah what are those symbols it, they're the area codes for, for the city lines and stuff uh, illuminati okay <laughs> yeah it, it's a bit like that so oh no actually but it goes all the way up the kit and then bends right yeah Oh, no, it's okay. I still, I still like that. So I, I've kind of ranked mine. I hadn't done a top five. I've done a top three. So now I've gone for five just because I, I want to copy Steve. So bottom five. In fifth place, I've got Montreal's Marble because it reminds me of the kind of cabinets or the work surface you would get in a in a bathroom, in a in a hotel or something. Yeah. Caitlin described it as it's like someone's had a painting accident when they've been decorating their house. Mm. Num- fourth worst for me is NYCFC's Vault. Yeah. I don't know what they're thinking with that at all. I don't think any of you mentioned this, which is my third worst, which is Inter Miami's pink polo shirt, it looks like to me. It looks like yeah. a top that the old people of Florida wear when they go out golfing. I think they'll sell well. It's it's yeah. kind of like a it's kind of like a Palermo kit. I think it'll. But my do only good. my only issue with that is that the, the picture I saw of it on on the the article you tweeted it, it wasn't I I really couldn't tell how good it was or not. Mm. It's kind of in the middle for me. I just didn't like it. It just seemed bland. Seattle, the second worst for me. I, I don't know what those shapes are. The the article and the article we're referring to. Um, if anyone wants to check this out, if you haven't seen all the kits, it's on footyheadlines.com. Just look for MLS 22 kits and you, you'll find them there. But the, the Seattle one, the, their description of it, which I just want to dig out here, says uh, it introduces a unique and never seen before design for the club. Let's hope we never see it again because I just I do not like that at all. The Seattle Sounders have the worst kits in MLS right now. Yeah, one of their Zulily ones from two years ago, I guess it must have been, or was not good at all. I, I like the idea of their other kit. It's that uh, what's his name, um, the guitarist, uh, Jimmy Hendrix. Seattle. Yeah, it's a Jimi Hendrix inspired yeah. kit. It, it would look good if they didn't have their green logo and green stripes on it, <laughs> but yeah. that ruins it. I, my my worst kit is the the Portland circumcision kit. I just <laughs> I'm not, not gonna be able to think about it. it. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> they're they're going for a market. I don't. So <laughs> no. my top five. Well, I, would, I would based on a show. Based on a show I watched about. Uh, it was a show. Uh, I think it's called East is East, and they they talked about circumcision because Muslims circumcision too, right? Yeah. Circum- and they go tickle tackle. You got you got to cut your tickle tackle. So for me, that's probably going to be a tickle tackle kit. No, well, I genuinely think someone would have tipped them off. No, because they're, they're, oh. they're too they're too uh, they're too trendy. So they're yeah. I think it, I think they I think they think that it's cool for them. It will sell well. I just I also don't like the color. I just think think it just doesn't go well. Top five honorable mention: 
just missing out was Charlotte's uh, home kit. I liked it. It was clean for a first kit. And like Zach, I don't usually like just the white sleeves, but I, th- I think it worked. Yeah. Um, no one's mentioned this kit, and I've got it as my fifth best kit, which was Houston's Bayou City. No, I uh, had um, it as my second worst or third worst kit. Oh, did you? I missed no, that. I, 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 I liked it. it. I Caitlin it hated it. it. Is that the one with the, the cancer center with the yeah. cancer crossed yeah. yeah. I thought it was an oil spill. Yeah, it, I I forget what they said. It, it it was it marked the kind of bayou swamps or something. I I liked it. I don't know <laughs> the Rorschach test or oil spill. I sort of thought. Uh fourth best for me was Philly. I just think that got the gold around the stripe is just it's nice. Oh, it's so so good. Yeah. Another controversial one for me in third, Orlando away. I like that. <sighs> I don't know if we can be friends anymore, Michael. Well, you're probably not going to like the fact then that I've put Whitecaps at two. What? That's fine. I liked yeah. Atlanta's away mint kit more the, than the Whitecaps one. The city in the really? forest? Because I, I like green kits. I'm the complete opposite of Steve. Yeah. I've been sitting here listening to him going about green stuff. No, I, I just, it's never really worked for me, green kits. Like it's, I, so for you, I know it does work for you because I know you like the Nigeria kit. Uh, from years ago as well. So I, I, I don't I like Cameroon rave. kits and stuff yeah. as well. I don't like rave green kits. Yeah. Let us know what you think of the kits. I, actually, it, it's close for me between Atlanta and the White Cats. I just wanted to be contrary because you all went for White Cats. I, I actually had Atlanta as a, away at number two and the White yeah. Cats oh, at number on. one. Yeah, but I, I, say, of course you did. Give them some credit, Michael. Let them let them win something. Yeah. We've won the kit ball. They won the, the preseason Woo! kit ball. Yeah. So let us know what your favourite kits are. AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com by email. I also don't mind Toronto's. I know it's gotten a lot of slagged off. Oh, no. I haven't seen Toronto's. I haven't seen Toronto's either. No. It's like (laughs) half half dark grey, half light grey. Yeah. It's like a split. I don't like it. Light light grey and what? Dark grey? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a shade thing. I'm just getting that up just now. Uh, that's not it's not too bad i don't like san jose's at all i just think it's oh really i like it Mm. i'm not a big fan of white kits though i Mm. think that's that prejudices but but san jose's isn't it light gray i think it's light gray Mm. so i hope you enjoyed all our kit chat there let us know what your favorites are i've got to say that since we recorded that having seen the tfc white and grey kit uh, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. That's actually grown on me. I, I actually do like that. It's, yeah. it's very striking. Kirk saw today. He's like, oh, that's nice. And I was like, yeah, it's not too bad. Yeah. Bit unusual, actually. You don't you don't see those colours just like that too, too often. You could say it's a little kind of bland and boring as well, but I, I quite liked it. But that is it for this show. We try not to be bland and boring. Just before we go, Zach, anything you've learned this week? Any final thoughts or just anything you want to share about where folk can find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. Anything I learned, I learned that, um, or I was reminded that a season isn't lost on on the, isn't won on the first day and isn't lost on the first day. And so if you're a Whitecaps uh, fan, uh, hang in there, 33 more to go. Uh, It's going to be an interesting ride. Just have to squeak into the playoffs. You just have to get there and then just hope for the best. Roll the dice. 
I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read all our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. Please head over to YouTube, youtube.com backslash AFTN Canada and give us a, a like and a subscribe and turn on notifications there. My final thoughts just for this week is, again, just our thoughts are with everyone in Ukraine just now. Just stay safe. To everyone else, thank you for listening. We will be back talking about the Whitecaps' first home game of the season next weekend. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care and mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. E.F.